Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey, what's up, Garage Boy? How are you? I, I can't tell if that's a, a compliment or an insult. I feel maybe like I'm a, in high school or you know, maybe I just got relegated to the garage for my studio, which is true, um, but I'll take it. How are you, bud? Well, I mean, I can't say anything. I'm, um, I think I'm pantry man over here. <laughs> We're both recording from different rooms today just it. because of things going on so yeah that's that's all good i've got you can see all of my uh my stackables i've got you know pasta and sauces and and olive oil and and coffee and dry dog food and everything i think somebody recently asked you like hey man how do you fit so much cool stuff into a weekend because you do your weekend wrap right and uh you said well this is instagram i'm only showing you the cool stuff you know and now i'm seeing how the sausage is made you know literally and figuratively Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's this is not this is not you with like your meat presented in front of the egg. Like I see your spice rack. I see you know I I, I see it all. I got all the all the goods here. Yeah, totally, totally. This is uh, yeah, Casa Casa McD right here. <laughs> anyway, it is good to see you. Yeah, man, it's good to see you too. What's new in your world? What's going on with you? Well, there's awesome tequila that I think we're going to either talk about depending on how we slot these things in. So the audience will hopefully forgive us. This, you'll either know what this means because we played the, the, another episode before this, or you'll find out next episode. But we've got some really good tequila in the glass, and that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. So actually, why don't I just kick off with that? <laughs> that I is, say roll right into it. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I think I just let the cat out of the bag. But yeah, so I'm drinking, and you're going to have to actually provide the color, color commentary on this, because this is the, uh, the Blanco tequila from the guys at Tequila Cabal. That's right. This is obviously I'm drinking this right now, but tell us a little bit about this. So these guys are um, uh, uh, local to us in Los Angeles, but of course, you know, they're based out of, you know, the operations are based out of Tequila, um, Jalisco, and uh, they are coming out of uh, NOM, N-O-M, NOM 1480 at the moment. And uh, they've got the full line of expressions from Blanco all the way through Extra Añejo. Um a really distinctive bottle, uh, which is a, a, a horse head, really. Um, and it, it would definitely stand out to anybody. We'll, we're going to post a lot of pictures. So you'll see sort of what we're talking about. They're very proud of it. It's something that they built from the ground up. And, um, and the gentleman who, who founded it and now his, his, his kind of business partner, uh, Everado is the founder and, and Dustin is his business partner. They're passionate about tequila. They're actually collectors uh, and kind of, you know, kind of enthusiasts as well. You know, we talk about it with watch people a lot, right? Not only are you maybe sort of you know, in it, but you're also like collecting, you, you sort of understand the, the mindset of a collector. And I think that that's really special right. and means something. And so they're making really good stuff. Uh, we're going to, we, we've done a deep dive with them into the history, how the brand started, what they're doing, the processes, uh, the production methods. So, you know, make sure you tune into that episode, but we've got a Blanco here with us, a Reposado 
an añejo, and then an extra añejo, which is quite special. It's a seven-year aged extra añejo in a, in actually, I don't know if you've seen this yet, Matt, this sort of matte black uh, horse head in this mini, this is a 100 mil bottle, but that's, I mean, that thing stands out to you. Oh yeah. That looks like the cover of a Spinal Tap album. None more black. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think, you know, for, for a certain number of people, you know, fancy bottles kind of, you know, sort of equal gimmicks. And there's very few times where you can say a fancy bottle is equaled by the juice inside of it. And I would say this is one of those, um, this is one of those opportunities. It's one of those times the juice inside is matched by the presentation and that's a cool thing. Yeah, it's absolutely good. So I've got to be careful though, for the rest of the episode, I don't want to, uh, a reprise of the the bro dinky episode when I ended up on my ass by the end. <laughs> I don't know. I think people kind of liked it. I liked it. That was like that was like five hundred percent ABV. That uh, <laughs> that beer that I had that night. Oh my god! That's right. That was yeah. the bottle logic stuff, right? Yeah, that was bottle logic, and that is that is no joke for mm-hmm. Southern mm-hmm. California locals who are into beer. You know that their um, project beers and specials. You know, these are the things that are like, you know, a little over a pint will set you back like 30 bucks. And in terms of, you know, heft, like I said, it is tread lightly. Anyhow, um, so, well, let's complete kind of the, you know, the two-part question, right? It's always kind of the, uh, the wrist check, poor check. That's the poor check complete. On my wrist, I have... Right here, this is the, uh, the on loan from a bro special from chase horology 411 this is the the magic anacar sherpa divet this is like the uh i don't know if this is part of the sea pearl line i don't know their nomenclature but this is going back to certainly the early 60s at least and you know you've seen this i'm in absolute lust with this watch so chase has been kind enough to let me uh borrow this for a while and it's just this super super cool object um for those listening, you know, first of all, go Google it. But again, Enicar, right? That's Racine backwards. Sherpa Divet. This is the, oh, think of it like, you know, if you could take a, a Zen 103, you know, bezel, like, so basically like a black anodized bezel, you know, and it's bi-directional rotating and put it on a, uh, on a kind of a prototypical dive watch. I mean, this is not a prototype, not literally, but this is an early kind of skin diver size. This thing's about 37 millimeters. It's in terms of its height and thickness. I mean, it's got definitely, it's got a, uh, you know, some, some height to the domed. It's not Sapphire. It is, it's plexi, but you know, it's not too thick, but it's definitely a little girthy and it's got that sort of, uh, boxy lug configuration and just a super cool watch. And I've got it on the green strap. This is one of the Hovig's VIP specials. This is the, yes. uh, that kind of dark green, uh, Horween strap and just a, a super cool watch. So I'm really happy to have it. And it comes back in, in a few minutes when we talk about something else, you know, when we we have a, uh, watch in for review and I'm going to compare it to this. So anyhow, that's, what's on the wrist for me. How about you? Very apropos. Um, I have in the glass, I moved into the Cabal Reposado, which uh, we talked about with the guys is is a really well done repo, in my opinion. Uh, a light touch, you know, plenty of agave forwardness to it with a, you know, just a kiss of, of barrel influence. And um, I'm excited to, to see what you think of it as well. So that's on in the glass. On the wrist, 
what you alluded to earlier, and, and in a few minutes after we get through some of our, our sort of our introductions, I think we're going to go into a, a deeper dive on this. I have the Zodiac Super Seawolf uh, in for review uh, on loan from Zodiac, and I'd, I'd love for you to share a little bit about how this came together when we when we share some some deeper thoughts on this. And uh, right now, I have it on a, a BNR bands. Um, elastic NATO kind of bond style, sort of the gray and black. And um, we've both got some thoughts on this piece. It's uh, I, I've been wearing it a bunch. So um, it's uh, it's going to be fun to talk about this one with you. Yeah, it's it feels like this is timely for two reasons. One, because uh, our friend Brodinky and Schmidt over at, uh, at Risk Cheese, maybe two episodes back, two weeks back um, by the time this airs, they talked about, you know, watch brands that they feel like they're sort of missing out on or that they're aware of and are interested in, but just haven't pulled the trigger on yet for a variety of reasons. And Zodiac is one of them. And that's Zodiac is definitely one of those brands for me too. There's just always been something that's like, eh, something I'm a little more interested in at the time, but I've been aware of them for a long time. Um, it's certainly an interesting option for a lot of people. It's, it's a legit brand that I think is super cool. And I was very happy to get this in. So, yeah. Yeah. So can I give you, can I, yeah, I'm going to give you one little, I'm going to give you one little update if you don't mind. Yeah. I, absolutely. Uh, so I guess it's almost a couple episodes in a row now where I've, I've sort of given some, uh, some thoughts and sort of uh, background on the Omega DeVille to know case that I picked up not too long ago. Right. Um, I finally had a chance to connect with the seller over the phone and we had been tra- trading emails and, and sort of going back and forth. If this and person I, turns out to be as cool a thing as I think, you you better not DM any contact information to anybody <laughs> but me because I have a feeling I know the story behind this person. And now it's yeah. starting to all make sense. Oh, so you, so you now, right? I see I see the do the, not, the, the do gears. Not out. This is our source. Do not out <laughs> our source. So the cool story is, and I think I alluded to this on the on the Chase episode. I think at the time I think I understood that she she had basically the seller had owned uh, a placement agency, a product placement agency, and they and they worked with brands, and they she they worked with Omega. Lo- I come to learn basically that that the arrangement with o- Omega lasted from about five years, late nineties through the early aughts, and they provided Omega through this agreement provided t- uh, watches for 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 her to place on talent for on air uh, representation for on air shoots and for you know basically to be to have people wearing omegas you know out and about and being seen you know uh, what they called is, is uh, uh, uh shown on you know if you could say it was shown on then it was on visible you know kind of like the hodinky guys were talking about uh, the hodinky radio cast was just talking about sort of you know watches and movies but not sort of a passing you know they wanted it to be prominent and so a couple of the shows that she mentioned were x-files so you, again, you can place this on on place and time, right? X Files, Baywatch, Early Edition were some of these shows that she was working closely with, and the watch was only gifted to the talent if it was explicitly shown on. They could point and say, "Hey, I wore it at this award show," or "Hey, you saw it on you know this on, on Baywatch episode X Y Z," and so. Um, Otherwise, they had to return the watch and she would take it back into her inventory, get it back to Omega, take something new in. And she wasn't quite sure where my where my DeVille was supposed to be. But she thinks 
that it was on a movie or it was meant for a movie called Taylor of Panama, which I think is Pierce Brosnan. It a hundred percent sure it is. That is oh, that is fantastic. And right now, I don't know if he's listening. You know, um, Tommy and Sanj from Land Jam Podcast. If you guys are listening, and Cole, uh, it's it's an okay movie. It's a very good book. Um, yeah, it's a, a John Le Carre. It's really cool. That's All actually right. so, you, so. You have not told me this prior, so you can Panama. see on my face that I'm I'm like stoked. That's really cool. <laughs> Taylor of Panama. No shit. Yeah, yeah. So, and she doesn't think it got on screen. So, I'm gonna, of course, I, I'm gonna kind of go through the movie clo- with a close eye and, and take a look. And there was some, sto- there was some stories she shared about getting stuff through customs at Panama. And, and anyway, you know, things end up on the editing floor all the time. So, but that's the the really kind of complete story as to where this watch came from. I sort of had some some ideas of where it was, and it was really neat to to touch base with her and learn, you know, with some specificity on on where it came from. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And as an aside, you know, because I'm, I'm, um, I totally will not miss any opportunity to do some fangirling for our uh, our f- friend, basically, and past guest Cole Pennington. And they had just done an episode right on Hodinkee Radio about watch spotting and movies and, and TV shows. And I think he'd mentioned that oh, you know, X Files might be a good place to go. And X Files was uh, that was like an absolute number one pastime for me. Um, and was a huge part of my life. Cause usually on Friday nights, that was like must see television. I worked, um, early evenings and would get off work around, you know, eight o'clock and it was a huge race to get home to my then fiance. And, you know, we would, uh, watch that show together. It was so cool. And you'd mentioned, I think that she, she, did she send you a picture of another Omega that had been placed in X-Files, which is really cool. Yeah, we'll get we'll get spec you know, we'll get kind of straight on the details there and, and make sure we don't wanna, you know, if 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 that needs to be placed somewhere before we give away the the the, the, yeah, the lead. Yeah. yeah, if 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 that watch is available, I would do some shady shit for that watch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So stay tuned on that one. Um so that was pretty cool, but that kind of sort of ties a knot, I think, or ties a bow on on the DeVille uh acquisition story. I just got back. I know both of us were on doing some a little bit of travel. I want to hear a little bit about your trip if you, you know, if if you have some highlights. But uh we were in uh May Kali uh, you know, just a weekend or two ago. And I have to say we ate and drank our way through that place uh just over the border. Uh if you're familiar with sort of, you know, Southern California geography or uh, Calexico would be the U.S. side of the border, and and Mexicali's, you know, uh, uh, south in Mexico. So you're closing in, sort of, on the California Arizona border. Uh, really neat town has changed a lot, I think, over the last you know couple decades. And in fact, we sort of went halfway because my mother-in-law grew up there as a as a child, and um, she was curious what it looked like versus her memories. And uh, and we found her house and bumped into a cousin of hers who still lives on the same block, and that was just a very neat and interesting thing. Um, fantastic food, fantastic drink. We went to some breweries, had some great seafood, uh, even found our way to some Chinese food. I think there was a large, um, Chinese population there at some point, a few decades ago, they had settled and, and, and now there's Chinese restaurants all over the place and, uh, just had a really fun time. We even stopped by the Salton Sea on the way back. So it was a pretty fun trip. Yeah, no, I saw some of your pictures and the text messages. It looked like you hit, uh, some good beer spots. So I, I always like seeing you drink beer. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. How about you, man? What's new? I know you went on a trip recently. Yeah, so we just uh, we went up and saw um, family up in the central coast of California. That's kind of our stomping grounds. We do that anywhere from maybe four to five or six times a year for seriously the past twenty five years. So my kids um, are very close, and we are too. You know, to my wife's sister. 
So they live up there with her family and they have vineyard property in the uh, Templeton Paso Robles area. And um, it's a small enough town that I can't describe it too much because anybody will easily be able to find, you know, find her. And so we're not doing that. But the bottom line is, yeah, we just went up and uh, and did that for a few days. I've got a a, a good, um, you know, VRBO hookup up there um, when I'm not staying with them. And yeah, just did a, uh, you know, the, the beach run, basically the central coast, everything from you know, basically San Simeon on down to Pismo beach is just gorgeous, super laid back. I mean, if you could picture like taking like a Montana cow town and just ripping it off the map and super gluing it to the, you know, the coast and the Pacific ocean, um, that's basically what some of these places are, you know, like Cayucos and stuff like, I mean, it's literally like a little Western town and you can hear the beach, you know, the, the surf crashing, so a lot of fun there. We do that a lot. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, with just the changes in, in everything kind of loosening up a little bit with COVID that gets a little bit easier to do it more frequently. So, yeah, um, was not able. The one thing I will say that is a negative, Greg, is for whatever reason, you know, people have discovered the outdoors and they've discovered the Central Coast um, uh. with COVID and every place was insanely packed. I mean, you know just, you know, places that are normally pretty accessible places that we've been going for years and they know us. And like, I pay them to know us. They're like, we can't, you can't taste. Sorry. Wow. So, I mean, you needed reservations uh, three months ago, bro. That kind of, Oh my gosh. Wow. Major difference. Yeah. I'm hoping that dies down. So we'll see. Well, keep us posted on that. I have not been up uh, to the Central Coast in a couple years, so maybe maybe I, I'm due for a trip soon at some point as well. Oh yeah, I've got all the good wrecks. So whenever you're ready, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll run through them. Well, yep. on that note, what do you say we talk about? What do you think we talk about Zodiac for a little while? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I, so by way of background, um, people listening to this will know who he is, and um, I don't want to get into too much detail into his position, but. Um, if you're, you know, I am a fan of Bremont and I think one of the the people who's really been instrumental over the past, you know, maybe 10 to 15 years, putting Bremont on the map in North America has been sort of their guy. Um, now it, it hasn't been recent, but you know, Mike Pearson is a, uh, a personality that a lot of people in the watch space here in the watch get together world know pretty well. And Mike, I think, um, I don't know if if he would take credit for it, but I'm I'm guessing right that the guys from Gray NATO would probably give Mike Pearson credit for the idea of putting them together with the idea of doing a podcast. Mike Pearson is just an awesome dude, um, and anybody who knows him, I think, would say that. And I just I got a message from him saying, "Hey, um, give your give me your address. I'm sending you a watch. Uh, I am with a, a new brand. I'm doing something different, and it's Zodiac and." I'd love you to take a look at this watch. Great. Let's do it. You know, I'm a hundred percent one. I've been interested in Zodiac for a while and it feels like that. So you don't know this, I don't think, but I, I was going back channel again with, um, with Tommy from land jam podcast. And they'd said something about Zodiac on, I don't know if it was a feed or a message or what have you. And I replied, it's like, have you ever seen this phenomenon where you get interested in a car to buy for yourself? And suddenly you start seeing it everywhere on the highway and it's in your neighbor's driveway now. And it's just, once you become aware of it, it's everywhere. 
you know, um, again, Bro and Schmidt talked about these watches like a week or so ago. I'm getting all these ads and and stuff like that from want to buy a watch who have excellent, you know, pre-owned specimens. So I was I was stoked at the idea of getting this watch, and literally within like two days, the watch arrived. And so basically, what we're talking about, without you know, uh, you know, any further ado, is the Zodiac Super Sea Wolf Fifty Three. The reference here comes the pilot talk. Z O that's Zulu Zulu Oscar Niner. How about that Niner two Ooh. one two. Um. So yeah, say that three times fast. But this is this is basically, I think, one of the two or three watches that they have that hues most closely to their original designs going back to the 50s. And so for people who didn't know, you know, right there with, you know, you'll hear like the sparring between, you know, the Rolex fanboys and the Blanc Pond fanboys like me, who was first. I mean, Zodiac was right there in terms of like commercially available, you know, um, feature and spec rich capable like immersible swimmable dive watches and this watch actually looks about as close as you can get to you know the the watches that they produced back then so just super cool um we've i've had this now for about 10 days it's been on and off wrist almost continuously since you've had it for a few days to take some pictures and form some impressions so we're going to go through it if you don't mind i'm going to just knock out the specs first what do you think yeah, let's let people get a chance if you you know if they're not familiar just to get a sense of you know the dimensions and physicality of it. Yeah, so this is a um, a very sensibly sized right thirty nine millimeters. This is a twenty millimeter lug spacing and the lug to lug. Now the lug to lug was not provided anywhere that I looked, but I've got a pretty decent caliber, so I did a self measurement and I came up with lug to lug of forty six millimeters for this. So figure plus or minus maybe 0.5. Um, the height on it, it, it does have, uh, you know, dome sapphire on it and it is sapphire. The height is about 12.5. I've seen, um, reference to the height being closer to like 11.5 or 12. And that's possible. I put a little bit of protective surface, you know, on the top and the bottom, right? This is not our watch. So, you know, when I mic'd it, so that might've added a little bit, but you know, again, reasonable size, uh, water resistance is 200 meters. Uh, the movement. So this is an interesting thing. They have so Zodiac is as a brand, right? As a brand entity, is owned by Fossil, and Fossil, whether you like or don't like Fossil watches or what have you, um, that's kind of irrelevant. I mean, it's a that's a huge entity in the watch space, and they have the resources to have essentially cloned what at what my research has kind of determined is you know a fairly basic at a movement. And it would be kind of the equivalent of like an in-house, I'm making big air quotes here, but like an in-house Salita clone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's they, they, their nomenclature for it is the STP 1-11. Um, and just again, to kind of provide some visual description. So the, the matte, the bezel is like that matte ceramic with loom. So the, the bezel is loomed. It's interesting, right? When you look at it, cause you have it, it's, it doesn't have numerals all the way around it. It just has the you know, the triangle pip, you know, the cardinal pip at 12 o'clock and it's got like the countdown gradients. And then there's a 30 minute marker at six, six o'clock, you know, but other than that, but all of that is loomed, which is super cool. Um, the, the loom color is orange. How rad is that? (laughs) It was like, that was a a surprise. Yeah. That was a surprise in a cool way. 
Yeah. So I've, I've never seen that before. That was uh, definitely the party piece of this watch, the orange loom and the loom on the, you know, the dial and the bezel. And not to interject, but it, it hits off the pip, you know, is orange. There's super sea wolf and script, which is orange. And then the tip of the seconds hand is orange. So there's, there's some interplay there. Yeah. I think that's the, um, what brings this kind of this watch, you know, forward, you know, 50, 60 years into kind of the modern era is the use of those colors. And again, the, the, the cardinal measurements. So it's got those big kind of, I think they call them like shark tooth, you know, indices, the big wedges. And you've seen them in other places. I think, um, it wasn't exactly this shape, but you know, people will remember the Oris diver 65 when that first came out, it had that big, like a big, you know, honking, blob of loom at 12, three, six, and nine. And then the numerals were actually like relieved, you know, uh, in, in that loom plot. So Zodiac basically has done the same thing with this and it provides like a really, I think a really interesting kind of visual look and it's extremely legible. And I like the color, like you said, it, it sort of brings it into sort of the modern era and gives it something visually interesting. Now they have a, um, and I'll come to this later. There's another version of this watch that is in terms of the form factor is very similar, but aesthetically it's kind of different. And it's more of a, I think it's a steel bezel and it doesn't have as much color. It's more subdued. And I think that is going to be a little bit more, um, kind of true to the original, and a little bit, maybe a little bit less youthful, if that's a word that would apply to this, a little less modern and kind of more, you know, really trying to be maybe more, you know, um, vintage, but this thing, I, when I say vintage, that's probably not the right way to put it. Right. I mean, this is, um, this is, I guess, a callback to an old design, but you know, this brand's been around for quite a while, you know, I'd call it maybe like a vintage aesthetic with modern sensibilities. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to put it. So, anyway, getting back to the movement, um, it's not Costco or anything, but uh, and I don't have a timing machine at home, but I found that it ran pretty consistently at minus four a day. You know, so I think you know realistically that means maybe twice a month you might need to hack it forward a minute. But um, for that kind of movement at that price, that's extremely reasonable. I mean, if if not very good. Have you had similar experience, or have you bothered to check it against a reference time? I have not bothered to check it um, to the plus or minus, but I've had it for, uh, gosh, what, three or four days now? And just sort of anecdotally, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly within what I would hope to achieve in a mechanical timepiece. It's, 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 it's fine. It's absolutely, it's more than fine. It's good. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if you don't mind, I mean, I, I kept a lot of notes and I don't usually do this, but, you know, I was, um, Mike Pearson's involved and he's a cool dude. So I was like, all right, we're, I'm, I'm going to do this kind of to the best of my ability and give this like the, the, as, as good as possible, legit as possible, um, detailed as possible notes. So this is what I've got. So in terms of like pros, I guess I would say, right. The size is kind of an ideal, like you said, a modern take on a vintage aesthetic. So it's not, you know, not 36 like this thing, you know, this is, you know, the Enicar. But at 39 and basically the same the same architecture, it, it's just slightly larger on wrist. It looks very faithful to the original versions. Um, it's got that cool evocative design. I absolutely love those tooth-shaped indices. And there's a lot of loom area, you know, right? It's not just these tiny pips or, 
you know, little wedges or batons or anything. The, the amount of space for the loom, the material is big. And it's a no date format. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So it's something, by the way, just to, um, to reference, cause I know this is a bugaboo for a lot of people and it would be for me. I don't have a lot of no date watches, but the idea of having a no date watch with the, you know, just a, a garden variety, um, you know, Etta or Salida, you, I can't stand it when I handle them and they've got the ghost position for the date. So it's a no date watch, but there's like, you know, the one, two, three spots, when you pull the crown out, this deletes that. So that's nice. It does not have the dead spot. And the price is excellent. You know, I mean, I think this this retails, depending on where you go, and everybody, if you're in SoCal or basically any, if you're in Conus, right, um, call Feldmar. That's right. You know, that's, that's kind of our go-to. And I'm going to circle back on this because I did get to see a bunch of other Zodiac watches at Feldmar recently, including that steel bezel, which is the one that I, I think actually I kind of prefer. I think the only real sort of you know negative thing about this watch, and tell me if you observe this too, the loom is really cool color. There's a lot of material. It's visually super striking. And in daytime conditions, obviously legibility is not a problem, but I found the loom was not particularly strong or long lasting. What did you think? Yeah, you. we had sort of traded some very quick you know, initial reactions and unprompted. I told you something similar. I had, I took a picture in, in pitch black and, uh, you know, we'll post it. It's, it is striking. And I sent it to some other friends and they were like, Whoa, torch monster. Right. And I said, uh, in, 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 in pitch black, it's, it thing glows. I mean, this thing is, and it's fun, but in like a low light situation or the minute you sort of step out of that, you know, that pitch black, um, it's not, yeah, it's, it, I would say it's a, it, it could, it could use a little bit of maybe extra application of some loom of some sort by no means a deal breaker, but it is something that we both noticed, I think separately. Yeah. I mean, if I could offer one piece of advice, um, I would say, you know, the rubber strap, it comes on, I'm a, a skinny dude, right? So, I mean, depending on how much I'm working out or how much salt I'm eating or what time of year it is, you know, my wrist is going anywhere from like 6.6 to about 6.75. Um, the, the strap is a little long. It would probably be really good on a tropic. Um, you know, it is that vanilla scented strap. Some people, I don't, you know, care one way or another for that plus or minus. Um, some people love that. It's kind of an old thing back when, you know, the, uh, the old rubber straps actually smelled really bad. If you didn't put that sort of that vanilla additive in it, I don't know what the the chemical is, but this one has that. So that's kind of cool. I don't know if it's really necessary. Um, but yeah, I would fix the loom. I would add, you know, some, something to make the loom stronger. But other than that, I mean, this is a, this is a bitch and watch. And this is one of those things where if I was knowing everything I know now and, you know, having had all of the experiences I know now, but if I didn't have the watches I have now, this would absolutely be a contender, I think equal to, or maybe even in some respects greater than something like a Tudor to Black Bay 58. What do you think? Is that like a shot across the bow or what? It is a shot across the bow. Um, but I think it's warranted for somebody who's maybe not a dive watch sort of like, you know, heavy into the dive watch collection. And they are looking for a dive watch that is really fun, cool, vintage inspired, um, but sort of up to spec. This is absolutely should be on your short list. Um, I love what they've done. I mean, it looks like you said, it, it is not a, a one-to-one off the, off the vintage stuff, but I don't think it was intended to be. I think it was, it was intended to, to evoke that, uh, that feeling, with, while, but also giving you 
this the freedom and this and empowering you to sort of beat it up right get out there dive with it you know run around with the kids bump it on stuff and not really care i made a quick reaction to a small group of uh you know a, a text thread and i said this probably would vault in front of picking up a a, a vintage seawolf in my opinion which i've tried to do on several occasions and missed out on a couple bids and and just wasn't able to to, to make it happen this to me easily could replace the desire to have you know a vintage seawolf well, yeah, and I mean, I think that draws a, a an interesting comparison, right? So, I mean, again, I'm I'm literally holding in front of the camera right now this this vintage, you know, genuinely vintage Enikar, uh, you know, the Sherpa, the Divet, and it's again very similar form factor. It is slightly smaller, but in terms of its wrist presence and how it wears and what it does, especially as a vintage watch, it's very close. And you know, this. Um, uh, you know, obviously by definition, you know, the Enicar is pre-owned, but I mean, this is going to be at least two to three times as much with God knows whatever kind of potential service headaches and, and, you know, parts headaches and things like that. You know, there's, that may be a labor of love for some people and, you know, maybe it would be for me, but, um, again, knowing everything I know, I, I might prefer to have something newer, you know, that's got that same kind of sensibility. Like I compared it to the Black Bay 58, and in in that realm, that arena of like uh, you know old inspired dive watches or, or vintage inspired dive watches, but with modern construction, you know new newer references. You know the, the Black Bay Fifty Eight is like the fastball down the middle, right? But you know something like this from Zodiac is, I think I described it as like a hanging curveball. It's just it's the other option that you've got, and if you. And it's not even a thing like if you don't want to spend the money, you don't have to qualify it like that at all. I mean, this this compares very well to a lot of other options. I think Tudor arguably is quote unquote better in in the respect, right? That it's got their, you know, it's got a, a, a movement that's cost certified and it's a longer power reserve, blah, blah, blah. There's the Rolex, Rolex affiliation, which may be a, a positive or a negative um, depending on how you look at it. But I mean, obviously it, it, it costs quite a bit more. Um, and I think technically it's not providing you with anything different. And Zodiac is every bit is like legit an old tool watch brand. And it's got a lot of upside, I think, just in terms of like the popularity for Mindshare. I think people just need to know the story. Yeah. And this is coming from, you know, you own a Black Bay. So I think you're more than qualified to, to sort of make some of these comparisons. And um, again, we've talked about it in a few other episodes. You know, there's other options out there. And the Black Bay is a fantastic one for a lot of reasons, but uh, it's certainly not the only. And, you know, what I'd like to, you know, I, we're going to get a review up on the website, you know, spiritoftime.co. So spiritoftime.co. Uh, we've got a few reviews going up there, you know, the Bowsel, which we, you know, we, I recently picked up and also has the same movement in it with the date feature. Uh, we'll have this one. So more pictures to come, more thoughts, um, visit the website and, um, you know, we'll keep talking about this, I think, you know, here on out, but this is actually a good a pivot point to maybe what the main entree is for tonight. And I'm curious because this topic is not new, right? We no. talked about this in our, in our, in our prep, but. There's so many ways to skin this cat. And so I'm, I'm curious now if we're going to, how many fastballs we're going to have, or are there going to be a couple of hanging sliders that you're, that you just referenced? Yeah. So this, uh, let's just, you know, we'll take the cover off the green egg here and 
get right into it. What we're going to talk about, I think, is this evergreen topic, like pick X number of watches as a collection for X amount of money. And however you want it, like you said, however, whatever kind of iteration or permutation you've got, you can answer this question different ways. And I love this question. It, it never gets old because the selection possibilities and how you feel about watches and where you are in your kind of collector's journey, you know, changes from year to year and sometimes, you know, even more frequently than that. And you may have a completely different answer today than you would have had a year ago, than you'll have five years from now. So we're going to actually do this in conjunction, you know, with a, uh, both, I think, wrist cheese radio and and certainly whiskey and watches. Sorry if we just put you on blast, Brodinky and and uh, Schmidt, but sorry, not sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not sure you actually want to do this, but we're we're calling you out. But yeah, what we're going to do is talk about that again. The age old question: knowing everything you know now, assuming you have nothing in your collection, you've got ten G's to spend on three watches. What are you going to buy? And let me also preface this by saying it's always a, this is a funny concept to me in some ways, because (laughs) maybe it's just my consumer mentality. But if I have $10,000 at a given time, I've never thought, oh, I'm going to purchase three watches with it. I I think to myself up to 10,000, what can I buy? And it's usually going to go up to and near $10,000. But I like this because it, it forces me to think differently, I suppose. Right, right. Well, and you know, I think that's an interesting dollar figure, right? Because it it immediately in the modern era, like with everything going on, not just in terms of retail price, but um, you know, all of the the craziness with gray market and secondary and et, et cetera. I mean, it immediately takes some of the things that five years ago would have been the obvious anchor choices right off the table. So for yeah. me, you know, f- five years ago, I'd have said, okay, some flavor of GMT for sure. And then um, something else that's kind of a little more everyday or a little more dressy or whatever. And then if I need to, a G-Shock or whatever. And that's my three watch collection. Well, I mean, you know, sorry, we've decided kind of for the rules, um, you know, that we're we're paying approximately market prices and for pre-owned, you know, or for things that are kind of uh, vintage, then it's it's got to be a kind of an acceptable, well understood uh, pre-owned price. And right now you, I mean, you can't get a GMT. I mean, granted, you can probably get one, a basic one at retail, you know, for just under 10. I don't know exactly what it costs now in 2022, but you know, for the reality is most people are going to gray, whether they're buying new or pre-owned and it's, it's well North of 10. So that a a sub, a GMT, um, one of the new explorers, or even one of the older explorers there, that's already a budget buster as a single watch. So there that's done. That's right. Yeah. And so it's, I think, you know, it's the, the market has changed obviously pretty markedly in the last few years. So I'll be, I'm really curious to see, you know, what list you put together. Uh, I'm sure we can sort of maybe volley each other. I just poured the, uh, the Añejo from the tequila cabal, uh, folks. So I'm going to sip on this, uh, which I believe is an 18 month Añejo. Are they called, uh, is this the this. one that they're calling the, uh, how do you, I, you know, help me. Cause I don't want to sound like a total idiot here, but this is the uh, Mexicanito. No, no, no. I, I I repackaged some bottles for you, so this is okay. this is just uh, the, the 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 tequila cabal añejo. Okay, got it, got it. Sorry. So for folks not paying attention, basically, I get these awesome little sample bottles from Greg, but they've they've been uh, reused a time or two. So I'm like, okay, what am I what am I looking at here? Reuse, so, repurpose, recycle. That's how we operate here at the Spirit okay. of Time. Got it, got it. 
Well, dude, um, why don't you uh, why don't you lead off? What is your all right. first? All right. Oh man, I'm trying to think if I should go back. I, I'm going to start up top. I'm going to. So I don't know if I did this on purpose or this is the way my mind thinks, but I, I kind of started with my biggest, baddest, probably you know, uh, a largest portion of my budget, and I struggled with this for a while, Matt. I at first, my first line of thought was, I need something super versatile, kind of sporty, but could pass as dressy and on a bracelet. In, in, in stainless, right? Something that you could wear any day, anywhere, any setting, any attire, in the pool, with the kids, at the office, whatever. And I almost went that way. I had two really great ones. And if we have time, I'd love to see what some of the ones that maybe didn't make your cut. But I changed course. And I think I'm going to blow your mind. And I hope I didn't take something from you, but I did it and I like it and I'm sticking with it. My first watch the Omega Diver 300M, steel and Sedna gold on rubber. Dude, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's so good, isn't it? We've been talking a lot about this offline, maybe online too. Uh, man, it is so good. It is so, so good. Before I get your reaction, the, the thought process was, what could be like my show, my showstopper piece? And I don't mean that in a flex way, not like, hey, everybody, look what I got. But what's the one thing that maybe you you spent the majority of your budget on that you look at and you're just like, oh my God, I freaking love this watch. And you walk into any get together with uh, uh, you know a friend or a watch community or, or, or you know whatever, and they're gonna be like, wow, you don't see that too often. This thing is incredible. Um it's got all the specs, right? We don't need to go. Everybody knows this watch. I don't need to go into the specs. It's, it's specced out. It's got the movement. You, you've got, you know, Sedna gold and stainless two-tone. You got the ceramic bezel. It is a showstopper. Uh, it looks casual and sporty, but refined. This thing rocks. I know you think it rocks. And that's the thought process that I went into. This is, this is like the crown jewel of my three-piece collection. So when you said that, like, if you're familiar, right, with... Uh... You know, something think, think Handel's Messiah or, you know, the, the ode to joy, like the, you know, the angel choir part of that, right? That, <laughs> so that's what I just heard in my head, right? So, uh, no, I think that's a great choice. I personally, so that, that watch did cross my mind and a variety Ooh. of flavors of it. Um, I constitutionally am incapable of having one thing like that. You know what I mean? So I had to, because that's going to take, that's obviously, that's going to take a huge chunk of the budget. And I needed, I found myself like, oh, my alternatives are going to be pretty limited after. So you'll see. I, yeah, you'll see what I did. I, it, you I, know, it clocks in, I it admire. clocks in at 72, 7,200 retail. So, I mean, that's, yep. you know, you're talking about nearly three quarters of my budget. Absolutely. So, well, kudos to you. So I went a different way. I mean, like you, I started out, I needed something versatile, something kind of daily um, I love dive watches. I, I tend to be into the tool watch, sport watch category in general. I, I don't need a dress watch. Um, nice to have, but I'll, I'll never use it unless with intention, like once a year, if I go to a wedding or a funeral or whatever. So I started out with diver and I looked at a couple of different things. The first thing, I mean, again, the most, the obvious play, right, is, you know, Tudor Black Bay 58. It fits well on my wrist. It's classic. Um, you know, it's getting a lot of, uh, kind of a lot of hate right now, you know, Tudor is a brand, but uh, you know, screw the haters. It's, it's still a great watch. Um, it's going to be relevant for a long time and it's got that timeless design, but in the end, 
I had an idea where I wanted to end up like as I was rounding third. And even though that's a pretty good value watch, um, it's still too much. And so I went a different direction. Um, and I basically, I picked a, something that is also really near and dear to my heart. I went with the Seiko, the SPB, and I kind of have a tie for first. Okay. So follow me here. There's the SPB 149, which I have. Right. That's a watch that I currently have, and you've worn that. And that's the 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 LE, you know, blue dial black bezel. But there's also the SPB 213, which is uh, the, white, the white dial blue bezel. That thing is hot. Yeah. So that's a really cool watch. Um, I really like that. It gives you sort of the, you know, everything that I love personally about, you know, the Seiko diver, the legit diver. 62 Moss kind of looks, it's got really good specs, right? This is a three day movement. Um, it's, you know, it's hand winding and hacks. It, it's got what I think, aside from the, the fact that it doesn't have the adjustability of some of the SLA, like high spec divers, it is, I think it is the best basic bracelet that they do in all of Seiko. So it's, you know, it's got some taper to it. The build quality is really strong. It's very cool. Um, and it's just, it's a good size, right? I mean, this thing is, you know, just sub 40, I think. Um, it looks great on my wrist and it's a fantastic watch. I could go either way, but I think that that white dial blue bezel is kind of the best of both worlds because you get yeah. a little bit of that, um, a little bit of that Seamaster 300 white dial vibes, the 300 M. Yeah. So, you know, our, our buddy Spence has one of those super cool watch. So I'm going with that. That thing is 1200 bones just about everywhere. So, you know, they, they get a little bit less expensive if you go for the non LE, um, SPBs, or if you go on rubber, I think you can get them, you know, I think like nine ninety nine. but at 1200, you know, that's kind of the first, um, the first basically pelt that I'm going to, you know, nail to the, uh, nail to the, the door there. And that's my diver every day kind of, you know, most basic thing. I mean, it's, it's coming out strong and you saved yourself a couple bucks. I'm sure you're going to allocate along the way. That's, that's really hard to beat that. That is a darling of, I think the watch community in all variations, the SPBs that you just all mentioned, you know, and, 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 uh, and for good reason. And that two, one, three in the white is just uh, it's a smoke show. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, um, this is going to be an interesting choice, I think. In, in relations, in so much, not interesting that it's offbeat, but in so much that I, I don't know if you'd expect me to have selected this. I'm going the new-ish, the new Tissot PRX Chrono. So we're going chronograph here. I'm going with the the the, the, the Panda uh, configuration. I think there's a Panda and a blue dial. I'm going Panda, so it's, the, it's a stainless steel case Panda uh, configuration with rose gold plated hands. Um, it's I mean, it, it, first of all, the PRX has been like one of the major, you know, of the last, but two or three years. I mean, that's, that's come in strong, right? The first they came in with the, the quartz movement, everybody was waiting for the mechanical, which of course follows shortly after just nailing the integrated, you know, bracelet craze and phenomenon with 70s styling, you know, with sort of a modern approach and take and, and, and giving people options, you know, not just, you know, high horology, but all the way down you know, through different price points. Uh, and they just released this chronograph not too long ago within the last few months. Right, Matt. And, uh, I think so. Yeah. 
It's got a value movement in it, AO5, H31. Um, it is sharp, man. It is a, it is a super looking uh, watch. It, 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 it's, it's sporty. It's fun. Um, it, it, I don't love the date placement. I can actually get past it, and I'm a little bit of a, a date placement hater when it's not done at, at kind of the places that I like it, but I can actually look past it here. Um, 42 millimeter. Bigger than I typically, you know, would wear a watch. Uh, but the Seamaster is also a 42 mil watch. Um, but I just think it, you know, between having this sort of, you know, uh, halo piece, a halo dive watch, um, and then being able to, 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 you know, put something on a, on a, on a really beautiful bracelet uh, with a Panda configuration, I think is a pretty strong combination. Um, it, it checks in at 1,750 is what I saw on the outlets, you know, the, the media outlets. I don't know if that's, you know, accurate to the, to, to what degree. And, and again, what, what sort of deal you might be able to strike up with your, you know, with your retailers, but um, that's my second choice. And I think between the two of them, I've got a lot of options, some really different looks and um, you know, two pretty interesting watches. I confess that that was not something that I saw coming. <laughs> that's not really that, yeah, i thought so so that's another one it it feels like um is is you know that's a little bit of like a uh i don't know an out of left choice out of left field choice for you um i do i cannot get over the the gold bezel version that they dropped recently that to me that is an amazing looking watch and this is one of those things where you know there's the quality of movement and all of these things that you get in um in watches you know i not to say that you know tiso is like you know um a slouch in this department but i mean when you think of like these the integrated bracelet that look right so that you know the 222 that just got re-released and, you know, obviously the AP Royal Oak and, um, you know, the various other things that are out there. But this, uh, this Tiso thing, I think scratches most of the itch for like none of the money. I mean, and, you're getting a, a quality movement under $2,000 on a bracelet for a chronograph is pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. As when people are interested in Panerai, I always suggest they buy like the cheapest, and I hate to put it like that, but like get the cheapest base, you know, like the Pam Zero or the O5 or, you know, maybe the 111 if you can find those anymore, because it gives you pretty much everything you want in the form factor. And the form factor is really what makes those watches. And it's kind of the same thing, I think, with these things. And obviously, you know, again, your, your Royal Oaks are going to be finished to a much higher standard, but you just want, you want it fun. And you know, that's what this is supposed to be. So I think that's a great choice. I love it. I support it. And you know, you got a case back, you know, exhibition case back. And I think, you know, like you said, maybe it's not finished to the quality of maybe, you know, you know, the the Holy Trinity, but I mean, it's a beautiful looking movement in its own right. So very cool. Very cool choice in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're getting, um, in terms of just the, the quality of the design, in my opinion, I, I really like, because I, I believe that the movement in there, they're calling it something different. It's been reworked. You know, it's got a, a different spec in terms of like the going train and, and the um, power reserve, obviously. Uh, but I think this is 7750 based. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great movement. I've, I've heard nothing but good things from watchmakers, you know, about uh, the Valju 7750 family, you know, and its derivatives. So that's cool. So my second choice, um, and I'm not a big chronograph guy, 
well, I'm going to give away the show. So let me, let me start here. I have, um, like my WIST DNA is basically like the biggest strand of it is composed of stuff like with second time zone and GMT watches. So I had to have something GMT adjacent, right? So I looked at a couple of different things and, you know, the first thing I looked at was like, okay, um, last time I was at Feldmar, right? I looked at the, the Bremont 302, the S302 from, uh, you know, Bremont, the guys in, in Henley. That's an amazing watch. Um, really, really cool. Wears very well. It's basically a slim 40 millimeters. There's also a watch that I have now that I think is an extremely legit choice. And that's that Tudor GMT. So I have mm-hmm. the original. Um, the original is pretty reasonably priced. And this was very close to being my choice because, you know, you can get that for, you know, 3,500 to maybe 4,000 all day long on recon with the bracelet. The, the newer one, which I liked a lot more, which is again, and thanks again to Feldmar um, for letting me get my mitts on it. But I got to play with the root beer GMT from Tudor that just dropped like a week or two ago. That's a, that's a sharp watch, man. And that's, um, you know, I know a lot of people are like poo-pooing that thing, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> get, get out of town. That's a rad watch. The all, and really the only reason I didn't have that like on my shortest short list is, you know, the price that one is, um, it's not available pre-owned realistically. And it, it definitely commands about a thousand dollar premium over the, the Pepsi, that just wasn't going to be doable. So I went with something that I mentioned, I think, in a previous episode when we talked about a one watch, and I went with the Zen 103 Diapal Titanium. Oh, uh, yeah, you did. So, yeah, this is a, if you're familiar and you may remember, I mean, you know, Zen is a fantastic, you know, uh, kind of legacy tool watch maker, right? And, you know, the, the 103 is a chronograph that's got a, a 12 hour alternate time zone complication. So I won't think of it as like a true GMT, but it's got, you know, rotating bezel. So you got a timing bezel, um, time and date and 12 hour time zone offset with that, um, that skeletonized second hour hand that can be hidden under the primary hour hand if you want. So you can run it like a three hand time and date. Well, I guess not really three hand cause it's a chronograph, but you know what I mean? Or, you know, you can have that second time zone visible and it's just super cool. And they've got their, you know, their essentially, they call it diamond palette. I think nowadays it's a DLC coding, you know, on, on the internals. Um, but it's just really neat technology. And by omitting the bracelet and maybe saying to myself, Hey, I could get it later hypothetically, cause they do sell that bracelet as an aftermarket. I can get this watch for 3,930 bucks at watch buy on strap new. And that gives you a lot of what you want in a watch. It's, it's a bigger watch. You know, it's it, realistically, they call it 41, but I think it, it wears probably closer to like 42 and a half, but it's titanium, you know, and if you, uh, you have it on a strap, it gets even lighter. It's got excellent water resistance and just a lot of neat technology. And it's a cool looking thing. And again, it's not, not on every Tom, Dick and Harry's wrist. So that's what I'm doing for my GMT daily and, and traveler's watch, which I have to have, like, I have to have a traveler's watch. Yeah, that is, that is Matt McD approved content right there. That is right, right in the wheelhouse. And I love it. 
Yeah. So that was my second choice. So how about, uh, why don't you kind of, you know, finish up with what do you have for third? Yeah. Let me bring it home. I just poured the extra Añejo for the Cabal small pours here, folks. Um, and, uh, I, I'm going to bring it home here with something again. I think I'm really going to surprise you and surprise anybody that, that is sort of familiar with what I typically own or, or, or sort of lust after, Unlike yourself, you said you didn't need a dress watch. I felt compelled to have something that I could throw on in a pinch to sort of, you know, elevate, uh, you know, a, a dress outfit or or even maybe just to dress it down. You know, it's kind of fun to be able to take a quote unquote dress watch and, you know, bring it, you know, back down casual a little bit. And and you'll you'll notice this, too. And, and maybe it's from our last conversations and, and my first pick. I just needed something gold. I needed something gold, but my money was thin at this point. <laughs> my money is razor thin. So I went Seiko Presage, cocktail time. And I put a twist on it. I, I know this is maybe a little bit playing with the rules because this is a limited edition, but I'm going with the Star Bar edition. Are you familiar with this one? So I've heard talk of this. I think visually, I think I have it in my head, but I'm not 100% sure the way I was with the original Cocktail Times. Um, but I have heard of the Star Bar. It's It's been mentioned in my presence recently. Give us a quick rundown. All right. So this is a release uh, just about two months ago, February 2022. The uh, model is SRPH78, limited to 5,500 pieces. It's a gold plate case, so obviously all the same architecture and dimensions you'd expect from a uh, from a, a presage cocktail time. Gold plated case. They call this, and I hope I don't butcher this, the hoju dial, and it's got this. To me, it almost comes across gold, but they call it silver. I think this sort of rice texture uh, dial. So it's got a, a, instead of the sunburst, the sort of like um, uh, you know, sunburst, uh, sunburst, uh, uh, a dial that they use on some of the other cocktail times and sort of, uh, uh, the, 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 the raised texture, this one's sort of a, a lighter sort of, um, uh, uh, play a little more interplay with the light and it's less, there's less depth on it than, than on the other presage cocktail times. Um, and I think what it's named for, and this, this seemed very fitting is, is for a sake cocktail from that star bar. Um, and it uses, of course, you know, the, the caliber four R 35, but they, they dressed it up and it's got like a gold, you know, gold tone rotor. It's a sharp looking piece. I think obviously you could, you could put it on with, you know, a, a coat, uh, or, or a suit. Um, but I think very easily you could throw it on suede and, and, and it would look really fantastic with some jeans and a t-shirt. Um, I don't think it's available at a retailer at this point, unless maybe it's been sitting around somewhere, but a quick search on Chrono 24, you're only paying about less than a $200 premium, um, to pick it up, you know, after the fact and, uh, and it's limited. So I'm just going to call it at $650. I can buy it, you know, tomorrow if I wanted to. Dude, that's a great choice. I love the fact that you went with something like that. Cause it seems like that's right. Like perfect for us, right? Spirit of time, cocktail time. I love those watches they are really cool. And it makes me wonder sometimes why I haven't gotten one. Um, when we had Sam and her watch box, I, I know it's not technically the same line exactly, but I mean, it's that same kind of vibe, but that watch that she's kind of known for that is, yeah, that's super, super cool. Shout out to yeah. you, Sam. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, you nailed it. So that's the the third piece. Um, what do you got, man? I'm I'm curious. You've got a couple bucks left over, and I'm curious what you're doing with it. 
Yeah. So you, you led with your heavy hitter and I saved mine. Um, mine is not quite as heavy dollar wise. It is not as heavy a hitter as yours, but I, I felt like I needed something essential, like in, again, in air quotes, I needed like an essential watch in the collection, something that would be timeless, something that would be valuable, something that would be look good forever, you know, something that kind of, you know, is it to my style kind of under, under the radar in terms of flashiness, but you know, that gets you the, the nod of respect, like, you know, the, the, the nonverbal fist bump from across the room at the get together and, you know, certain, the, basically certain Rolex tool watches that I like are, are off the table here, but there are some other things that are out there that I also really, really like. And some of which I have, this is going to be something similar to a watch that I currently have. And that is the Omega 3590.50 Speedmaster Professional. This is a, you know, a circa late 1980s, maybe 1990 production. So think of this, this is basically still a caliber 861. I think it's still 861 at that point. I'm almost 100%, but you know, haters, you can definitely at me. Um, but this has got, I think, kind of the best of both worlds, right? It's it's still that that vibey movement. It's, it's very neo-vintage, which I love right now. Um, it's got that tritium, right? The T-Swiss style, old style. But it comes on, and you can get it on the pre-pro bracelet. And again, there's there's different nomenclature for this thing, but it's the the bracelet that is very similar to the bracelet that is out now that just came out in the past year or so with last year's release, where it's got some taper to it. It's not the the links aren't as flat. It doesn't have like the five segments, um, and it's a little bit more old Omega but it still has that really neat look and shape visually, but it's not as, as old as frankly, I hate to say it like that, but it's not as old and, you know, jangly and frankly fragile as the bracelet that I have on my one, four, five decimal zero two, two, which is, I feel like if I flex my wrist a little too hard, like I'm going to bust that thing. So I never wear my Speedmaster, which I wore today. I never wear it on that bracelet because I, I can't replace that bracelet. And, you know, it, it does feel at this age, like it's pretty old. So this gives you something kind of cool like that and bonus. And this is one of the things that really put this watch in my mind. You know, Jimmy, our friend again at, at, uh, at Feldmar, Jimmy Watchfiend, has his daily has kind of migrated around over the years. And his daily now is the Ultraman Speedy Tuesday Ultraman Speedmaster Pro. And he has it, even though that watch did not come on this bracelet, he has it on the brand new bracelet, you know, that came out with the the most recent, um, you know, coaxial hand wound, you know, Speedmaster Pro. And the idea is the case architecture is so similar, maybe identical, that the new bracelet fits on his watch. Well, if if it fits on his watch, I'm pretty sure it would fit on something from the late 80s. So that's, in my mind, that's kind of where I'm going. Like, okay, you could have this cool vintage bracelet, but then if you wanted to take it off and have the, the thing that looks like it, but even better materials and have some adjustability to it, you could order that aftermarket, you know, maybe save your pennies, buy it next year or something like that. It's just everything about the Speedmaster is um, 
is timeless. It's classic. I've gotten to like it more and more with this second round. This is the second one I've had. And I feel like, you know, if I couldn't have a GMT master, then the Speedmaster is really what I would want. And I mean, it's not even close. So that's where I'm going with that. And that's available. There's a couple of, um, I don't, there's a number of places basically to get these in really, really good, legit pre-owned extracts of the archives kind of thing for, I think the best kind of average price I found was $46.99. So let's call it $4,700. And at forty seven hundred bucks plus twelve hundred for that Seiko, right? Plus let's say thirty nine fifty for that Zin, that brings me in at nine thousand eight hundred and thirty dollars, and I've got a few bucks left over to start saving my pennies for that new bracelet. Oh man, you beat me! You beat me! I put together uh, the Seamaster three hundred M in steel and Sedna gold. Uh, that's the ceramic bezel with Saragold scale black ceramic dial. The uh, Reference code on that is 210.22.42.20.01.002.7200. The Tissot PRX Chronograph, 1750. Seiko Presage Cocktail Time, uh, Star Bar, paying a slight premium, uh, 650. Puts me at a total of 9,600. And I guess that leaves me a couple extra bucks for a new strap on the Cocktail Time and maybe even a Moon Swatch. I'm going to throw out a uh, I'm going to throw out a different suggestion for you. So you know, um, Omega sells that that um, gold, whether it's yellow gold or Sedna gold. I think um, they sell that Seamaster on the rubber strap, which is amazing. I have one of those uh, the OEM rubber straps for my Seamaster. It's a great, great strap. So that is sold, uh, if I'm not mistaken, with the gold steel and gold watch head and a steel tang buckle but they make a solid gold tang buckle. And I think that's what you put on that. When that's you, a better, when that's a way a better use of funds. Yeah. That's a way yeah, better that, use of funds. Cause that, that makes it look just slightly more pimp. It's like, you know, 13.8% more pimp and you just, yeah, that's what I would do. That no, that's absolutely the better, the better recommendation. So that's a pretty cool, interesting collection of six watches, three on, on your side, Matt, three on my side. Um, I'm going to just quick reaction. Yours is, I think, really well thought out and actually is very representative, I think, of your tastes and how you use your watches. It's just my kind of quick reaction to that. Uh, my, my collection, I think is very out of left field for what people probably expect me to be interested in and, or maybe what they thought I might, you know, come up with here, but I think it's really diverse and interesting and, uh, covers a couple different bases. Um, actually several of which aren't really even in my collection at the moment anyway. And so, um, but at the same time, I'm also really proud to say that I, I would be very surprised to see any of these show up on, somebody else's list, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is I think, as you say, your watch choices are in my mind a little bit out of left field, but after about two minutes to kind of marinate, I'm actually, I think, I think two of the three make a lot of sense. You know, the, I think the, the Tiso is probably the thing that still is an outlier for you in terms of how you would usually have like watches and what your use case is for them. But the cocktail time, 100%. And it, it's funny because now that you say that, you're like, at least in my mind, I'm thinking, I, yeah, okay, I maybe <laughs> need to revisit those, you know, and look at those again. 
but um, the Seamaster is the least surprising. Really? Yeah. Because, you know, again, we've, we've, you and I have both been sort of jonesing for something gold or stealing gold for a while. I think I've probably incepted you on the idea of a dive watch. I think the idea of not having it on a bracelet, but having it on rubber, because then you could obviously, you know, the, the upshot to that is you could put it on a NATO, you could put it on a, a Drew strap and, you know, you can really dress that up and down. Um, and it's really because that watch lug to lug is not crazy. And because it is relatively thin looking, I mean, it's not thin, but you know, it is not really clunky. Um, and it's got that kind of organic rounded shape, you know, it works well on your wrist. It's not that much bigger or that much different than your Railmaster, which is kind of the tool watch that I associate with you or your GMT. So I actually think that like that is a watch that easily could be in your stable and I could see you wearing that all day. Uh, it's, it's good. It's got, you, yeah. you got me. You, you, we've been talking about it a lot and I know why. So that's our that's our three watch collection, man. I think we spent our, our funds wisely and uh, and sort of judiciously. And in an interesting manner, I would love to see that three watch collection in your box. I think that that would be, you would wear all three of those with purpose and they would make you happy. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you figure, I mean, realistically, um, I have something very similar to two of the three already. So, I mean, I know, you know, how I would use them. I know how frequently I would wear them, which is to say a lot. You know, the only thing that for me is an outlier is the Zen. I've had the Zen 356, never a 103, which is, again, it's a bit bigger, but I could do it. Um, I, I wore Chase's uh, vintage Tudor GM, not, I'm sorry, not Tudor, Tag Heuer. Oh, the Heuer. His, mm-hmm. his, yeah, he has that uh, that GMT chronograph, which is amazing. Oh, and that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty big watch, but it works well on my wrist. So I was like, hey, if I could do that, that Zen, no problem. That's right. That's right. Yep. I love it, man. Well, let's take it home. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to leave it with this. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I'm fairly sure, you know, we kind of threw down the gauntlet for, you know, our buddies at whiskeys and watches and, you know, possibly even, uh, at wrist cheese. So, you know, that's the challenge guys. It's it, certainly, this is not hard, right? This is, this is a pretty easy and fun exercise, but what, what do you guys got? 10 G's, three watches. What are your choices? I want to hear what Buzz has to say. I'd love to hear what actually what Spangler has to say, because he's an interesting cat. We don't hear enough from him. And yeah, so let's uh, let's wrap it up, man. What have you got for kind of final? Final notes. Um, as you noticed, Matt, I had, I've been, man, gold is on the mind. We had such a fun episode with Chase. I just picked a steel and said in a gold Seamaster. <laughs> 300 i just picked a, a tiso chronograph with you know rose gold plated hands but there's still gold in there and then and a yellow gold plated you know cocktail time um there was a piece just recently on hodinky uh by jack um about gold and other metals um very timely considering our conversation go check it out uh it was a nice nod to think uh some of the bigger outlets are thinking similarly to how we are and uh we're interested in in sort of elevating that conversation and then also rj over at fratello he just picked up a uh uh uh, a yellow gold president day date and um in in his sort of introduction of that uh he was sort of waxing about the value of gold right now um vis-a-vis steel and so 
quite interesting considering where our minds have been and, and some of the things that we've done recently. So uh, go check out both those articles, you know, well, well written, of course, like both of those gentlemen always do and um, sort of in line with uh, our last couple episodes. Yeah. I mean, before I get into mine, I'm just going to ask you if I call you or text you at like two in the morning and I ask you to talk me off the ledge from doing something crazy about a, um, a full Sedna Blanc Pond Bathyscaphe. I'm going to need you to like come and, and grab me and uh, cut up my credit cards or whatever. But um, anyhow, good, good thing is I know where you live. I've, I've uh, ridden a bicycle from your house. And so I can, I can help you. I can assist in that. Yeah. Cause that's, that could happen. So my final thing is um, again, kind of another unusual thing. I'm going to ask everybody as homework. Um, our friend, Jimmy, this is Jimmy English watch fiend at watch fiend. Um, Jimmy is uh, a friend of ours, you know, from the community, but also he has a, an interesting position at Feldmore. You owe it to yourself to DM Jimmy. So as part of my homework for reviewing the the Zodiac, I went in and took a look of the modern Zodiacs. And again, um, Feldmore is an, an AD for Zodiac here in Southern California. So please give them a look. But call Jimmy and ask him to walk you through the details of the pre-owned watch buying and exchange and trade-in process at Feldmar. I've never seen anything like it. We're probably going to talk about this at some length. You and I have talked about this, but I mean, and I don't want to get into the details because I don't want to get out over my skis, but the bottom line is it they have a program there that really kind of takes some of the, the potential staying out of buying pre-owned from an AD you know, sometimes, frankly, you pay a little more, but you've got the idea of you've got the backing of an, an AD or a brick and mortar. But, you know, some of us are, are hard headed and we want to pay less or whatever. Um, Feldmar has some, a proposition that I think is kind of unique in terms of, like I said, you know, taking the, uh, the question mark and maybe some of that sting away. So we're going to talk about that more at some point. We've got to have them on. I, I want to ask them if they'll come on, but Call Watchfiend, DM Watchfiend, and ask him about this. It's uh, it's very interesting, and I think it'd be worth your while if you're a pre-owned buyer the way we are. Anyhow, that's my recommendation. No, I think it's fantastic, and those guys are always doing some interesting things and offering a lot of opportunities to enjoy this hobby. So, um, with that, I'm going to go check out uh, season six of Better Call Saul. How about yourself? Dude, I'm just going to. Uh, I'm probably going to finish this a little bit. I poured the uh, the pachuga with the, uh, the vanilla extract from these people. It's outstanding. This is my first, uh, Pachuga tequila, and I'm going to quietly finish this up and I think wind down my evening, but thanks again, really to, um, again, to Feldmar for letting me look at all of those, the cool Zodiac watches and to Mike Pearson of Zodiac from, or I should say, uh, for letting us review this watch. This was a lot of fun. Super cool, super cool watch. Definitely worth a look. Love it. Cheers, man. Awesome. Cheers, man. Last sip. See ya. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at Spirit of Time Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.